Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. You know, we've been... Really, the last few weeks now, this will be our sixth message in this series called The Wilderness. We've been looking at this section right after the first three chapters where he talks about, really the first two chapters about the birth of Jesus and all that surrounded that. We began in chapter three with the ministry of, of John the Baptist in the wilderness and what he was calling, calling the people back to purity, about back to seeking the Lord. And then he introduces us to Jesus, who is baptized. And one of the implications of why he shows the baptism is to show Jesus' identification with you and I. See, that's very important for you and I to understand. We're going to talk about it a little bit more today. Why he shows us the baptism, and especially why he shows us the temptations, is that he wants you and I to grasp the reality that Jesus understands what we're going through, what we're facing. Because he faced it himself. See, so oftentimes we, we'll say things, God, do you understand what I'm going through? How many of you, you don't need to raise your hand, but how, yeah, yeah, okay. One, how many more would say, yeah, I've been there. Do you know what I'm going through, Jesus? Do you know what I'm facing? You, you begin to wonder, does God have any connection to life here right now? That's a real thing that goes through your mind. And what Luke is showing us in the very beginning of his gospel, not just through the birth and everything, is he wants us to see that this Jesus Christ understands. He identifies with us. Because he went through it too. And he wants us to grasp that reality. So we decided to, you know, we spend a little bit of time here. I decided to spend a little bit of time here because I don't know about you, but I face temptations, don't you? I get defeated by temptations. Temptations will destroy your life if you don't realize that. And the question is, God, how do I how do I handle it? How do I deal with it? So we've spent some time. We've looked at just the temptations that Jesus has faced. We've looked at the nature of temptations. We looked at dealing with temptations. We looked at that last week. Today we're going to kind of wrap it all up and talk about the one who understands what you and I are going through and the implications of that for our lives. Because I'm going to be honest with you. There is a major implication for the reality of what temptations will do in your life. And so the first thing before we read our passage, I want to talk, just kind of briefly review some things that we've learned already about the reality of temptation. The first thing I want you to see is this. No one is immune. No one is immune to temptation. Every single one of us faces temptation. Isn't that what the Apostle Paul said when we looked at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, where there is no temptation taken to man except that which is common to man. Every single one of you face temptations. All of them the same. Period. Now here's what we'll do though. We, we in our self-righteousness think, and I use, I use the term self-righteousness. In our self-righteousness we think that I don't need to worry about that one because that's not an issue with me. Or we'll look at our family background and say, well, that's never been a problem in our family. I don't need to worry about that. Listen, hold on. Back off a moment. You're getting awfully, you're kind of getting on shaky ground here when you start thinking that way, because the reality is it doesn't matter how you were raised, 
It doesn't matter how good you think you are, how strong you think you are, given the right circumstances, the right situation, you might have the legs chopped out from under you and fall to temptation. Period. And listen, I mentioned this last week. How many of us have looked at people and the things that they've done and we've said, weren't they raised better than that? Shouldn't they have known better than that? They should have known better than that. How many of us have made statements like that when we look? What's the reality? Every one of us will fall to temptation. So let me just stop for a moment. There is no reason why any of us here should look down our noses at anybody else. Period. Because given the right circumstances, the right situation, you better believe it. You'll do the same thing. And don't ever say, I'll never do it. Never say never. You're almost guaranteeing something will happen. And so no one is immune. And that's the re- first reality I want you to see about temptation. Here's the second reality. You are tempted in your weaknesses and strengths. See, we oftentimes, you know, your first part you'll agree with. You'll say, yeah, I agree with that I'm tempted in the area of my weaknesses. But we'll, we have a hard time thinking that I'm tempted in the area of my strength. But I'll be honest with you, it's in the area of your strength that you will most likely fall. Because that's where you're resting your surety in, is I'm strong in this area. I don't need to worry about this area of my life. I just got to sure up my weaknesses. But the fact of the matter is the devil's very crafty. He will come and tempt you, not just in the area of your weakness, he'll tempt you in the area of your strength. So give me an example. Jesus, very first temptation. He's fasted for 40 days. He's gone without food for 40 days. What do you think? At the end of 40 days, he's hungry? Yes, he's hungry. So the enemy comes to him and says, if you're the son of God, you could turn this stone into bread. Now you're saying, well, he's tempting him in the area of his weakness because he's hungry. No, he's not just tempting him in the area of his weakness. Notice what he says. If you're the son of God, turn this stone into bread. He's tempting him in the area of his strength. Can Jesus turn stones into bread? You better believe it, he can. So here's the reality. No one's immune, and you will be tempted, just not just in the area of your weakness, you will be tempted in the area of your strength. You better mark it down. You will be tempted in your area of weakness as well as your area of strength. The other thing I want you to see about the reality is this. We face the same temptations. We face the same temptations. Jesus faced a temptation in three different areas. He faced it in the area of pleasure. He faced it in the area of possession. He faced it in the area of position. You and I face the same temptations. We face them in the area of what we find pleasurable. We face it in the area of what we can have as possession. We face it in the area of what? Position. And remember what I said to you. You say, well, I'm not striving for any positions. Oh, yeah. Although what you're striving for is a position in your mind. So, for instance, when we have a potluck dinner, you, you want to have the best macaroni and cheese there. So people can say, well, that's the best macaroni and cheese. I'm looking forward to their macaroni and cheese. We're having a potluck dinner. I hope so-and-so brings their ma- And you just love it. You just eat it up when they say that. Because you've got the position of the best macaroni and cheese maker in the church. That's a temptation, isn't it? So here's what I want you to see. We all face the same temptations. Now, here's the final point, and you've got to grasp this one. It will hinder you spiritually. It will hinder you spiritually. Remember, we described temptation as a trap. The enemy lays, uses temptation as a trap to ensnare you, to overtake you. And the reason why he wants to overtake you is because he wants to defeat you and render you useless in your relationship with God and use it to destroy your life and to destroy your families, even to destroy the church. Because he hates you 
He would like nothing more than to see you. Because listen, he can't do anything about your salvation. You're gone. You no longer belong to him. But he can do anything he can, try to do anything he can to hinder you in your life. And listen, we've got to grasp the reality of temptation. The reality of temptation is, is that it will hinder us spiritually. You say, what do you mean hinder us spiritually? Listen, when's the last time that you just eagerly sought to go to God because you just sinned? So what are you talking about, George? Well, I'll give you an example. Let's say I do Brad wrong. And I know I did Brad wrong. How, you know, I know that I'm going to go to a function and Brad's there. How, how likely am I going to be kind of hanging around the room where Brad's at? Am I going to be avoiding Brad? I may go the whole time. We may be at a function. I don't say anything to Brad. Don't talk to him at all. Why? Because I'm feeling what? Guilty. You know what? You do the same thing with God. We give into temptations, don't we? And listen, I'm not talking about cheeseburgers. I'm not talking about chocolates. Some of you are looking at things you shouldn't be looking at on the Internet. Period. You're giving into temptation. Some of you are doing other things that you shouldn't be doing. You're giving into temptations. And that stuff will hinder your spiritual life. And here's the thing. You will notice at your life that you haven't been praying lately. You haven't been talking to God. And even when you try, it just doesn't seem to be right, does it? doesn't seem to be right at all, does it? What, what's happened here? Your spiritual life has been hindered because of what? You gave into temptation. You sinned. See, that's the reality of temptation you and I need to grasp. It will hinder us spiritually. So you say, okay, George, that's the reality. Boy, this is awfully gloom and doom here today again, George. Because, and it almost sounds that way, because don't we face temptation every day? So what do we do about it? I want you to notice with me a couple things. Look with me. We're going to actually we're going to look at Hebrews, not the Luke passage. We'll refer back to the Luke passage, but look with me, chapter 4, verse 14 through 16. The writer of Hebrews says this, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points, notice what it says there, was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of you, that maybe was the first time you read that passage, but that is such a wonderful passage, isn't it? You know, as we think about the temptation, and this really fits in with what Luke is wanting to do here, isn't it? This is really fitting in with Luke, because Luke is wanting us to grasp the reality of Jesus, what? Identifying with us in what we face. Isn't that what the writer of Hebrews is saying here? That he does identify with us? And he identifies with us so much that it has an impact in our lives. So let's notice a few things here as we look at the whole issue of his understanding of where we're at and what are the implications of that for our lives right now. First of all, here's what, is we recognize what he's doing. The very first thing he tells you and I in this passage, verse 14, he says to us, stand in the reality of your salvation. Stand in the reality of your salvation. Look with me. Notice what he says here. Verse 14, seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. When he talks about holding fast our confession, he's talking about holding fast to what you believe about Jesus and your salvation. Now you say, why is he saying that to us? Because our tendency is just to forget. 
Let's just be honest. We take for granted our salvation. Trust me, you do. Because how often do you think about it? Don't need to answer that out loud. Don't need to answer it with hands. But think about it. How often do you go throughout the day thinking about the, say, the, the fact that you are saved and you don't need to worry about hell? How many of you think about that fact all day? Don't raise your hand. Just think about that. Answer yourself that in your own heart. How many of you think about the reality that you now have victory over sin? It doesn't need to ensnare you. You have been made a new creature in Christ. How many of you think about that? The reality is, is that we don't. So here's what we do. We go throughout our lives without an acknowledgement of God in our mind, and we go from one temptation to another temptation, and we fall, and we stumble, and we get hurt, and, and, and we begin to think that God is not there for us, and the reality is, is that you and I need to stand in the reality of our salvation. It needs to be more than just that fire insurance thing that we took care of later on. It's the reality of who you are right now. Do you understand that? The reality of who you are right now is tied to the fact that Jesus Christ died for you and you accepted his death, his resurrection, and you embraced it by faith and you were saved. That's who you are right now. But here's the problem. So many of you look at yourself based upon your what? Failures. And see, here's the thing. It's a difference of focus. Notice what verse 14 says. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, let us hold fast our confession. Here's the thing. Where's the focus in that statement? Is it on you or is it on Jesus? It's on Jesus. What do we do when we no longer have a focus on Jesus? Who's our focus on? Ourselves. And how are we doing? Not too good, are we? Now, here's the thing. So here's what we'll do to make ourselves feel better. We, we look at ourselves and we say, oh, I'm not doing good. I'm not really doing good. However, I'm doing better than Brad. Isn't that what we do? And believe me, you can always find somebody that you're doing better with. It's interesting. I, I have I found people who are in the ditch of life who will find someone who's in the bottom of the ditch and are only halfway in the ditch. And so they're doing better than the person who's at the bottom. That's called pride. That's called a sinful attitude of humanity, and we are all marked by it. But I want you to notice something. If I'm going to stand in the reality of my salvation, I can't look to myself because in and of myself, could you do anything for salvation? No. In and of yourself, you can't even stand in the face of temptation. It's only by Jesus. So when I, when I stand in Him, I can hold fast. See, some of you have got to get the eyes off yourself and get them back on Jesus here today. Something has, some of you, it has got a grip on you. You've got an addiction in your life, and it's got a grip on you, and you're just wondering, how can I break free? In fact, some of you have just waved the white flag, and you've said, I, I give up. I'm not even going to fight it anymore. And you just keep giving into it. You keep giving into it. You keep giving into it. Because your focus is on who? Yourself. In fact, it's kind of like Brad was sharing earlier about that cycle. You're in a cycle of behavior, and you don't see any way out of it because you are looking at you. Well, you're right. If you're looking at you, you can't break out of it. But there's somebody who can break you out of it, and that's Jesus. He's your salvation. Look to him. Hold fast to him. See, he understands. He understands. So as we continue on there, I want you to notice something else the passage is telling us here. Not just to stand fast in the reality. Look with me, verse 15. He says this, Jesus relates to your struggles. Jesus relates to your struggles. Look at what he says here. Then we'll go back to Luke 4. Look at what he says here. 
He says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, go back to Luke 4. How was he tempted? Three areas. Same three areas. What do we see there? Verse 3, the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. So he was kept it in the area of pleasure, taking care of his personal desires, his, what satisfies him. Go on then. Look at him. Verse 5, the devil taking him up on a high mountain showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment. And the devil said to him, All authority I give you and their glory. What's their glory? Their stuff. For it has been delivered to me. I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. Possession. Then notice the third temptation. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on a pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they will bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. What's that? Position. Here, Jesus, jump off the temple. They'll see you. They think you're a superman. They'll follow you. He relates to what you're going through. You say, well, he's not relating. How, he, what I'm struggling with, they didn't even have a struggle with back then. No, but he understands the type of temptation you're facing. He understands the type of temptation you're facing because he faced that same type. And see, so we can put all our temptations in those three categories, can't we? Pleasure, possession, position. Pleasure, possession, position. If you look at what you're tempted by, it'll fit in one of those three categories. John puts it this way in his epistle. What? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. That's what the world has to offer. And see, he can relate to your struggles. So here's the thing. You're going through something. You're caught up in a cycle of temptation. You don't know how to break through it. And you begin to even wonder, Jesus, do you understand what I'm going through? Here's what the writer of Hebrews says. Yes. Because he faced it, yet without sin. Isn't that wonderful? See, when I cry out to him, and I cry out to him in desperation, I don't need to wonder if he understands how I'm feeling. Because here's the thing. I can cry here, and nobody will understand how I'm feeling. Because they can't read my mind. They don't know my emotions. And they may even say, well, you know, I understand. No, they don't. But he does. He does. Because he understands you completely. He understands exactly what you're going through. But here's the next thing I want you to see that he tells us. And we see this in verse 15 as well. Jesus overcame temptation. Jesus overcame temptation. And we see that. He faced the same, yet without sin. See, I'm going to find my strength in the one who overcame, aren't you? Let's say I need to go on a journey. I got the car packed, and I had a choice of who, I, who could come with me. Somebody who's made the journey before, or somebody who's never gone outside of the county, ever. Who's going to know the way? The guy who's never left the town, or the guy who's been the trip many times before, and knows the road, knows the bumps, knows the obstacles, knows what to go around, knows the detours, knows how to handle every situation that comes, or the guy who's sitting back and says, well, I sure would like to go on a trip with you. You've never been anywhere before. I'll help you get there. Who are you going to trust? I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tell the guy, well, go with somebody else. I'll take the guy who's been before. And you may even let him drive. See, that's the problem with some of you. You want Jesus to come with you, but you don't want him to drive. See, he overcame temptation. He overcame temptation. 
And the final thing I want you to see is, this is what we see in verse 16. Here, listen, let me read it to you, and then I'll give you the point. Here's what he says, verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Don't let temptation keep you from God. This verse 16, you need to listen to what it says. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. That therefore is a key word. What's he talking about? The fact that Jesus has gone through the same thing. Period. The fact that he just told us to hold fast to our confession. What's our confession? Our salvation, our trust in him. Those two facts, that we have salvation and that Jesus has gone through the same thing that we're going through, because of that, I should not let my failure, my temptation, succumbing to temptation, keep me from God. I can come boldly to Him. And notice what it says. I can come boldly to Him. And what can I obtain from Him? And this is when you fall, this is what you want, isn't it? Mercy and grace. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Listen to the psalmist. Psalm 37, my favorite psalm. One of my favorite psalms. David writes... The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Though he yet stumble, he will not utterly be cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. Wow! You don't need to worry about going to Jesus. He understands. He understands. In fact, think about it. Think about how you are in your life. When you fail, who, who would you like to meet? Somebody who's gone through it, who, who maybe has had the same struggles and found victory and who understands and is sympathetic with you? Or some self-righteous know-it-all who's just standing there wagging their finger of judgment at you? Who would you rather go see? You would rather go see the one who understands who's been there. See, here's the thing. When we talk about God, too oftentimes we have this view of God that he's like a self-righteous know-it-all waiting, waiting to wag his finger at us rather than somebody who has faced it and found victory and who understands what we're going through. That's reality. That's reality, isn't it? He understands. Man, that's got to set you free here today. If it doesn't, we need to check your pulse. Because we all face it, don't we? We all face it. To say, okay, George, what do I do with all this? How do we wrap this up? Well, let me give you the same three questions we've been looking at for a while. Number one, how are you responding to temptation? Some of you, you are caught in a cycle. You are caught in same temptation, failure. Same temptation, failure. Same temptation, failure. Same temptation, failure. And the reality is, is it is defeating you. It has gripped you. And you need to make a change. And you don't know how to make that change. You don't know how to make it. And you've got to ask yourself, how am I doing, Lord? How am I, how am I doing? And, and, and maybe mention your name if you're Bubba. How am I doing, Bubba? How am I handling this situation in my life? How am I going to deal with this situation, Lord? I'm giving in here. You've got to be real with yourself instead of ignoring it. Too often times we'll just ignore it and just give in. We'll just live with it until a crisis happens. You ever notice that with an alcoholic? I lived with an alcoholic. I grew up in a home with an alcoholic. Alcoholism wasn't a problem until a crisis happened. Then he had to maybe face it, and he still didn't want to admit it. Until then, he just kept on drinking, kept on drinking, kept on drinking. So he just ignored it. 
until he was maybe faced with family problems or someone wanting to leave or whatever. Then we'll deal with it, but never really deal with it. That's reality. That happens. How are you responding to it? How are you responding to it? The next thing is this. Strengthen yourself in Christ and the Word. If I'm in that cycle, if I'm dealing with temptation and I want to find the victory, how, it's, how I'm going to find the victory is not in myself, not in my own strength, because reality is, is you're not going to stand. Because remember, you are tempted in the area of your strengths and your weaknesses. How I'm going to find my strength to face it is I find it in Jesus and His Word. I find it in Jesus because I know that He has faced the same things, but yet He was without sin. I know that He understands what I'm going through so I can go to Him and say, Lord, help me. Help me to get through this. I find it in His Word because remember remember what I said. Notice how Jesus answered every one of the temptations. He answered it with what? The Word. Boy, if there's ever a reason for you to read the Word of God, there's one right there. There's one right there. And let me just say this. You can't read your Bible? You come talk to me. We'll get you a Bible you can read. That's just the bottom line. There's no excuse for anyone here not being able to read their Bible. We will get you a Bible that you can read, and we will show you where to begin to read. Because, I'm going to be honest with you, let me just make a side note here. This book is not like any other book. With any other book, you what? Start at the beginning, right? Now, if you're like me, you kind of look at the last chapter to figure out where things are going. But this book is not like that. You just can't start at the beginning. It's a collection of books. It's a collection of letters. And we will help you. But you've got to, what? Strengthen yourself in Jesus, the one who understands, and strengthen yourself in the Word, and you'll be able to break those cycles. And here's the bottom thing. Here's the last thing. Jesus understands. If you don't leave here with anything else today, Jesus understands what you're going through. That's the final point. Jesus understands. Jesus understands. So here, let me just wrap it up with this. Remember what I said to you. Every single one of us face temptation. Period. Temptation always leads to the same thing. Sin which ultimately results in death. And all of our lives, every single one of us here, there's no one perfect but Jesus, are marked by that. Now the question is, what are we going to do about it? We just say we can't do anything about it. We don't have the strength to do anything. Yeah, but you've got to make a decision about it, though. You've got to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to find your strength in the one who understands or continue to down the same path that leads to destruction. And here's the wonderful thing. This is what the writer Luke is trying to help us to understand. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ the righteous, who understands completely what you're going through, and our victory is found in Him. That's where we need to look. So you've got a decision to make. I've got a decision to make. Who are we going to look to 
as we face the temptations that we face. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.